Welcome, everyone, to the Friday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I'm your host, as always, Tyler Crawley. And of course, it's my favorite edition of the podcast because it's Friday, which means the weekend, well, for some, might actually already be here, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. So we got a lot to get to a lot going on, a lot of global news actually happening on Thursday. We had an announcement from the Bank of Japan about uh, interest rates as well as the European Central Bank. But we are going to start with one of the big numbers that always matters in housing, and that is mortgage rates. And not surprisingly, mortgage rates. Remember two weeks ago, we had that historic drop in mortgage rates. I think they fell, was it 50 basis points or 30? It was a big drop. Hadn't seen anything like that in, I think it was like 11 years. Well, since then, uh, the second week in a row, rates are up. And this is according to the Freddie Mac Weekly Survey. Make that very clear. This is from the Freddie Mac. (laughs) This is not me quoting you a rate. This is from Freddie Mac. They have the 30-year fixed average contract interest rate was up seven basis points to 5.51%. That is 272 basis points higher than just one year ago. The 15-year fixed average contract interest rate was up eight basis points to 4.75%. That is 263 basis points higher than one year ago. So not as bad, I guess, as a 30-year fix, but... uh, (laughs) It's up. And then the 5-1 arm was actually down. Mm, interesting, because we've seen arm activity kind of fall off. Uh, it was down four basis points to 4.31%. That is only 182 basis points higher than one year ago. Sam Cater, Freddie Mac's chief economist, said demand is softening, which should slow home price appreciation, saying, quote, consumer concerns about rising rates, inflation, and a potential recession are manifesting in softening demand. As a result of these factors, we expect home price appreciation to moderate noticeably. And that's a good point that Sam Cater is bringing up because the real big story, obviously mortgage rates are an important part of housing, but we've reached a point where mortgage rates I think are less impactful just because they remain at this elevated level. I mean, if we were talking about mortgage rates dropping back into threes or even fours, then that might be a different discussion. But rates are elevated and that is playing a role in the big decision that most people have to make. Is it the right time for me to buy a home? And over these last two years, it's been pretty simple. But things might be changing. And let's go back to 2007, October 2007, Robert Schiller, yes, that Robert Schiller from the Schiller, Case Schiller Index, I should say, wrote a paper about the current upswing in housing, and he had an important point about fundamentals when it comes to value, in this case, home value. This is from the paper, quote, This dramatic price increase is hard to explain. Remember, this is October 2007. Since economic fundamentals do not match up with price increases, the rent figure indicates that there has been virtually no change in the market for housing services, only in the capitalization of the value of these services into price. So basically what he's saying is that rents 
don't support values. And this was an argument that was made by him and others who saw the 2008 bubble. They said, look, here's what places are running for and here's what they're supposedly worth and there's a disconnect. Rents do not support values. And for the last couple years, especially these last two years, low mortgage rates and rising rents have made the decision about home ownership pretty easy. Pretty simple decision to make. However, rising rates along with rising prices has changed that calculation a little bit. So there's a new analysis from Realtor.com and it looked at the top 50 metro areas in the United States and they found that in 38, so do the math, it's pretty easy, 38 times two, 76, or I'm sorry, yep, 76%, I almost said 46%. Maybe the math isn't that easy. 76% of these metro areas, it now is cheaper to rent than to buy a starter home. Obviously not depending on what you're (laughs) looking to buy or rent. Just six months ago, the same analysis found 48%, so less than half, did it make more sense to rent than buy. We have seen a change in the housing market that now, in a lot of places, it makes sense to rent versus buy. Year-over-year rent growth peaked in January with 17.3% year-over-year increase, and that has decreased each consecutive month. That's still elevated. I'm not trying to say like, oh, it's great. You know, running is actually falling. No, no, no. Running is still skyrocketing, but it is falling from its peak. And in fact, this year alone, rents are up 6.3%. I mean, that's still a big number, but compared to the 17, it is down. Now, if you're looking at Case Shiller data, year over year, home prices potentially peaked in March. We don't know because All we have is April data. It fell in April a little bit. So we're not sure what's going to be happening in May. But we know in March it was 20.6%. And then it fell 20.4% in May. So we don't really know what's going to happen going forward. But we do have, like I said, some data. So in the first four months of this year, just the first four months. So we're comparing the first six months of rent. It's up 6.3%. Just the first four months, home prices are up 9.2% when you look at the 20-city composite index, according to Case Shiller. So we're talking about home prices moving up much faster than rent, hence the changing of the calculation. Now, on top of the rising cost of home, if that was the only factor, you can make an argument right there, but there's another factor involved, and that is the financing. We just talked about mortgage rates. Freddie Mac has the latest 30-year fixed mortgage at 5.51%. That is 272 basis points higher than one year ago. Back in June, we talked about here on the podcast, a Redfin analysis found that a home buyer on a $2,500 a month budget with 6% mortgage rates, which obviously um, Freddie Mac has a down from them, lost $118,000 in purchasing power. This has pushed the average costs to buy a starter home across the 50 largest U.S. metros to $2,437. That is 
30% more than to rent. They have the median listed rent in those areas at 1,876. That's a savings of $561 or 29.9%. Therefore, cheaper to rent than to buy. Now, does this mean that there's a 2008 housing bubble? No, of course not. If you listen to this podcast, you know that that's not the case. It does, however, explain why all of a sudden you have seen the brakes slammed when it comes to housing. The brick wall that we have hit with regards to home purchase activity. And so basic economics tells us that what's going to happen is that more people may say, okay, I'm going to go rent. They're then going to decide to rent and they're going to go rent a place. The more people renting is going to do what? Supply and demand. Push rents up. The fact that we've seen easing on demand for home buying is going to do what? Lower purchase prices. And then hopefully, invisible hand of economics, thank you, Adam Smith, (laughs) is going to help us reach price equilibrium. And I know a lot of people are going to say, oh my gosh, Tyler, you're in the mortgage industry and you're telling people not to buy a home. That's not what I'm doing. (laughs) What I'm explaining is that what has happened in some metro areas a majority, a vast majority, it makes more sense to rent. But here's the other thing you need to take into account. Obviously, if you're looking to buy a home, one of the benefits of buying a home is what? I know a lot of people say it's investment and whatever. I don't really care about that. The benefit of buying a home is you're locking in your housing costs. Sure, property taxes are different. Energy costs fluctuate. We all know that. But you're locking in the main payment. And that's really one of the benefits of housing. And so if you're looking at you know buying a home and you can qualify and you found a home you like and you're ready to make that move, it still makes sense because here's the thing that you need to remember. Rent prices are not locked in. Sure, maybe you sign a two-year contract if you're lucky, maybe three, I guess. I've never, I don't know if those exist. I, I one time did a two-year. Maybe you're lucky, but then it's gonna reset. When you buy a home, that's locked in for 30 years. (laughs) You know, unless you want to refi and lower it. That doesn't happen in in rent usually. You don't get to go, hey, you know what? I want to renegotiate and get a lower rent. I mean, maybe if the economy crashes, you can take it. Maybe there's some benefit there. But that's the problem. And so it's like people will say, oh, well, this is explaining why it doesn't make sense to buy. Not really. I mean, because if you're saying, hey, I'm going to move somewhere and I'm going to be there for five to 10 years it probably still makes sense to buy because three years from now, that $500 you're saving in rent, you're probably not gonna be spending more money than if you would have locked in those housing costs. And so that's why I said, you know, people thought, I was telling people today about this this report and they said, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're telling people not to buy homes. I'm not telling people not to buy homes. What I'm explaining is why you may see Home prices drop in some places because people are going to go, you know what, I'm going to be in this place for a year or two. Maybe I was going to buy. Now, I can rent for cheaper. I'm going to go that route. Maybe someone is going to be in an area for two years. They own a home and they're like, you know what, why don't we sell this house now? I, it's a good market to sell and then we'll rent someplace for two years. I mean, so you're going to see more pressure move to renting which like I said, is gonna ease demand, lower prices in housing, increase prices in rent and get to that price equilibrium. So it's not me calling for 2008 all over again, even though I mentioned the Robert Schiller paper. What it is, is explaining we are seeing 
basic economics at work, supply and demand. It's a beautiful thing. It's so beautiful. I love talking about it and I love seeing it work. And that's what's happening right now in the housing market. Now, one of the things that can mess up that supply and demand dynamics, especially on a more kind of macro level, is what is happening with central banks. So I mentioned, you know, we had decisions from the, oh, you see the light go out? For those that are watching on YouTube, the light went out. I hope the other one stands. Otherwise, I'm going to be doing the podcast in the dark. I think we'll be okay, though. Well, we'll see. I don't, knock, I don't have any wood to knock on. I don't, I don't have anything. So we're just going to have to hope for the best here. So interest rates, the discussion on what's happening with central banks and, of course, the uh, Fed funds rate that exists here in the United States. And obviously, banks all over the world have their own central banks and they make decisions on what their lending fee is going to be. You know, the overnight lending fee, that's what the the federal fund rate is. And that influences all interest rates throughout our economy. And it's a big topic of conversation because it impacts the economy. It, it, It determines sort of from a demand standpoint, if you want to increase demand, you lower interest rates. If you want to suppress demand, you raise interest rates. That's what's happening with housing right now. They've increased rates to the point where you're pushing down demand on purchasing homes. And I got to tell you, it's been fascinating because for the longest time, you know, it was a debate about, you know, kind of the overall idea of the central bank and, you know, where rates should be. But now we've, you know, we've never been in a, in, in this environment where we're seeing this high inflation. It's been 40 years. And so now we're having this real discussion on how fast and how much the Fed should raise rates. And you got people who are like, we're not raising them quick enough. We got to go faster. We have to go bigger rate hikes. And then there are others who say, no, 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 no. That's dangerous. And one of those people is Alan Blinder. I almost said Binder. Alan Blinder, <laughs> who was a member of the Federal Open Market Committee back in the 90s. And he has a great op-ed in the Wall Street Journal And he essentially is warning the Fed saying, listen, do not get caught up in the day-to-day guessing and the day-to-day activities of Wall Street because their motives are different than yours. And he uses a good analogy of the tortoise and the hare, the famous story, right, where the tortoise ends up, of course, beating the hare because... The tortoise keeps his head down. You know, he knows what the job is. He knows what he's supposed to do. And he just goes about and does his job. He's not showboating. He's not doing anything else. And he ends up winning the race. And he points out that the tortoise is supposed to be the Fed. And that they're supposed to be slow. They're supposed to be methodical. And they're not supposed to be worrying about those who are showboating. And he says the Darwinian struggle that produces successful short run traders places a large premium on spread. The essence of success in this game is beating the other guy to the keyboard. If today's quickest to the keyboard move makes little sense, according to some notion of fundamentals or whatever, who cares? You just trade differently the next day. I mean, good traders can make money no matter which way the market's moving. It's first being first. Now, you contrast that with the Federal Reserve's task, which is setting interest rates. Unlike good traders, good policymakers should be stately, thoughtful, and always focused on the end game. 
Speed is important only in rare moments of crisis, such as the coronavirus. And he points out Friedman and his sage warning that monetary policy affects inflation only with, quote, long invariable lags, to which Blinder points out emphasis on long. If policymakers forget the long lags and grow apprehensive when higher interest rates apparently do nothing for a long while, they may be tempted to keep raising rates and thereby causing an overshoot. It takes a great deal of patience to get monetary policy right. And unfortunately, we humans aren't naturally a patient lot. And he uses as an example the latest decision by the Fed last month to raise interest rates by 75 basis points. They were all on board with 50. He says they basically had a neon sign that said we are raising the rate by 50 basis points. And then all of a sudden, they leaked the 75 BIP hike and then did it. And he's worried that they are listening too much to the markets and not what their playbook is telling them. And it's a very fascinating debate. I mean, like I said, I mean, there was a piece the other day by Greg Ipp, also in the Wall Street Journal, in which he was arguing that, you know, they got to raise rates a lot more. And I don't think people are are adequately prepared for what that's going to do to our economy, as well as how that's going to impact fiscal policy with the increased costs of borrowing. And so I'm not smart enough <laughs> to know who's right about this because I have read amazing pieces by people who think we're not raising rates fast enough and then people who think that we maybe we're moving too fast. You have people who think that inflation's already peaked. We're on the other side of the hill. Things are going to start moving down and others who think this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. And smart people, completely different opinions on what is happening in the economy. But I wanted to read that one to you because yesterday the... European Central Bank announced a 50 basis point hike. I think it's like the biggest hike by the European Central Bank in, I don't know, it's been a long time, decades maybe. And one of the reasons why they even mentioned it in the press release was that they were front loading. They wanted to do a big hike to give themselves more room, more wiggle room at later meetings. And you're hearing that a lot, this front loading, front loading. Let's just raise rates. And then if we have to, we can pull back on them a little bit. And that's exactly what... Blinder is saying is that be careful doing that because that can take us from a soft landing to a crash. (laughs) So he's like, be careful about doing that. And I'm going to be careful this weekend. Hopefully you are careful this weekend. We will see you back here. I don't know, maybe Monday morning. Think we'll do a Monday show. I don't know. You'll wait and see. Monday morning, you're going to wake up and see if you got a podcast in your uh, um, podcast app, (laughs) whichever one you use, Spotify, Apple, whatever it may be. We will see. I will keep you on your edge of the toes all weekend to see if there will be a pod there Monday morning. But enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your Friday. We'll see you either Monday or Tuesday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always... Do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.